0: Welcome back, listeners, to 33.3 FM. I am one of your hosts, Thompson, and I'm here with the ever-perspicacious Frank, who has a lot to tell me today about some guy I've never heard of.
1: I've I refused to believe that you haven't heard of this guy. Either. I mean, you pay attention. Uh, it's, it's bullshit propaganda, of course, but you pay attention to at least a little bit of the news, I'm sure. Right, Torm?
0: If it's not anything to do with the Gilmore Girls, I'm just not interested. I'm going to be talking about a guy called Jeffrey Epstein. Um, apparently, Tormson
1: doesn't know about this guy. Uh, I will be enlightening him, listeners. Uh, I'm sure... M- I, In fact, I know many of you guys have heard a lot about this guy. You guys keep telling us to go over it, and I only want to give you the best listeners. I wanted to make sure I did the research before I went over this with Tormson. I want to make sure
0: he was as informed as possible. I want to make something clear. You have got the documents.
1: I have... Many documents. I've been at this for the past several months. Some of these documents I have got are perhaps ones that I should not got, but I do. So, you're entirely a blank slate here, right, Torm?
0: I, I know that he didn't kill himself. Likely, yes, but... I know what the memes tell me. I mean, that
1: is all we're dealing with. That's all I'm going off of. It's memes. It's memes all the way down. But
0: That's the real news, isn't it? You can't trust the media, but the memes will always set you on the right path.
1: I mean, the media, the memes are what the media is building, right? So somewhere in that is like a, somewhere in all that sand getting into the oyster that is the universe, there's that little pearl of truth being generated and we here at 33.3 FM are doing it our best to go pearl diving for you listeners.
0: Thanks a lot, Dermot Arcane. All
1: right. Well, I think I'm just going to get started here. So Jeffrey Epstein, financier, guy with a big old island in the Virgin Islands where he supposedly flew out a lot of very famous, very influential people and a lot of uh, very young girls. Perhaps boys, most of what we've gathered is girls. Uh, most of the testimony I have here, it's very young girls. So before I go further in this, listeners, um, we're probably going to be going to some very dark uh uncomfortable territory here keep that in mind once you knew we were talking about jeffrey epstein you probably knew that to an extent but i want to iterate this is going to get pretty ugly uh
0: um, you're not going to pull any punches the boilerplate uh, trigger warning will be for sexual abuse pedophilia and possible violence
1: uh, mostly the former two i mean there's a lot of shit involved with this guy um but we'll get into that. Um, in a nutshell, Jeffrey Epstein is, was, at this point, a very prominent uh, New York financier through his company, Financial Trust Company,
0: notable name there. Do you know that he won't talk to you unless you have at least a million dollars? A billion, in fact. It used to be a million.
1: So that's the big thing. Uh, Epstein was a financier. He, What he did was essentially was manage the accounts, properties, et cetera, of extremely wealthy people. Nowadays, he's more known for his famous island, his famous jet, the Lolita Express, as it has been so famously dubbed, and I assume that's not because he's a Nabokov fan. Real, this stuff touches on a a lot of famous, very famous people. The most prominent of which would probably be former President Bill Clinton and current President uh, Donald Trump. But this goes as far as into Hollywood. Um, guy has connections with uh, Harvey Weinstein, um, Chris Rock. Of, uh, sorry, not Chris Rock. Excuse me. Cut that out. Um,
0: I'm not cutting that out. Chris Rock, you've been you've been
1: outed. <laughs> um, um, I think you, Bill Cosby, someone else. Bill Cosby, no, surprisingly not. Um, Chris Tucker. Excuse me. Um, th- th- what, you can understand what, the confusion there. One of the worst Chris's. At most ridiculous and kevin spacey um has a lot of links with um of course the finance world business world um he is um one of his most uh, well-known friends who is in a lot of trouble at the moment is prince andrew
0: uh one of the princes of the of uk and that ties the whole thing into the whole um james savile the british like pedophile elite conspiracy that turned out to be true which is a whole new can of worms
1: yeah there's actually a number of uncomfortable connections there um i'll get into that though so i'm basically going to be going over mr epstein's entire life here um from his beginnings in uh, Brooklyn, New York, to his auspicious end, hanging himself in a very surprisingly acrobatic manner from his own top bunk with a bedsheet after he was already on suicide watch. Um, Jeffrey Epstein. The
0: man, the
1: myth. Grew up in Brooklyn, smart kid. Smart enough that he ends up skipping a couple grades, right? And supposedly from an early age, a piano prodigy. Uh, just like a lot of the sort of stereotypical. Hey, this is a smart kid type of shit. Uh, despite this, he ends up dropping out of college. He come from a relatively wealthy background? Um, the upscale Brooklyn Jewish family, but not... You don't really see his links to the wealthy manifest until later in his life. Um really just a sort of the average type of kid that ends up working his ass off and going to the ivy league you know maybe a bit more naturally talented hence with the uh skipping a couple grades but otherwise yeah pretty normal upbringing so despite his supposed early intelligence uh he does end up dropping out of college twice in 1974 he's sort of at a transition transitionary stay in his life. He doesn't really know where he's going to go next. Um, Torbson, after a guy like this drops out of college twice, directionless, where do you expect someone like him to head? 1970s? Um,
0: uh,
1: yep, mid-1970s. I don't know, drugs? High school math teacher. Oh, okay. Uh, not any high school, by the way. Uh, a He ends up teaching math and physics at Dalton, which is this crazy prestigious Manhattan private high school. Uh, 1974, he's hired by Donald Barr, who is the father of now Attorney General William Barr. Dun, dun, dun. Donald is this very conservative guy, he ends up switching um, Dalton from being this uh, artsy refuge in Manhattan to a very uptight, uniform-wearing prep school. Um, and this place is very prestigious. We're talking hiring former presidents of, like, I believe it was Ethiopia as, like, poli-sci teachers. And this is a high school.
0: Isn't that where the revolution happened? Like, when they kicked out the monarchy and replaced it with the dirge?
1: Yes, I believe. So. Again, I'm not sure if it's Ethiopia specifically, but, you know, people that have actually led countries are teaching here. And in comes this 2 times college dropout to teach math and physics. And... He's hired by Donald Barr, He, though apparently Barr ends up leaving only a couple months after Epstein is brought in. And kind of one of the interesting things here is when you look through the records and interview various people, nobody's really sure exactly who hired this guy. I mean, the timeline would be consistent with Mr. Barr, but he was already on his way out, and they were bringing in a new principal. Someone must have put those files in the shredder a long time ago.
0: Sounds like it could be like some connections-based thing. We don't know of any.
1: That's the thing. We the I've looked into this. There aren't really any connections that are able to be established here at this point in Epstein's life. Like, seems like Donald Barr is really like the the highest-level guy that he has any associations with. And on top of this, keep in mind that. Epstein's only 21 when he's being hired for this. He's 21, he's a two-time college dropout, and he's teaching high school-level math and physics at one of the most prestigious private schools in Manhattan.
0: Taking into account that his colleagues are like exiled Ethiopian princes, this is already sounding like a good setup for an Unknown Armies campaign where everyone (laughs) plays a teacher.
1: Uh, Like fucking uh, Unknown Armies Hogwarts, but you're all just like, hey, we're grooming the kids to be Illuminati
0: see this is already becoming topical
1: during his time there um and the high school thing especially is uncomfortable in relation to what he'd later get up to but apparently he ends up spending a lot of time with various girls around the schools notorious flirt no cases of him getting involved with any of his students but he did have sort of a circle of high school girls surrounding him at it's all was the
0: times. 70s that sort of shit constantly went on and everyone just covered it up and pretended it wasn't going on
1: but the thing, like part of it too is his age right he's only a couple years older than these kids hell there's at least one reported case of him attending like a high school kegger thrown by one of his students
0: again it was the 70s that makes sense to me
1: so to get even more 70s uh his fashion choices were apparently rather interesting as he was known for attending school in fur coats gold chains and very open button-up shirts now he only ends up Teaching here for like a couple years Um, teaching wasn't up to snuff. He was like known as a decent teacher But not exceptional Sometimes he'd be able to he wouldn't be able to solve particularly difficult math problems So this whole prodigy thing that is kind of being assumed here, you know, he's smart, but he's not a genius he's Definitely not really qualified to be teaching at a high school this prestigious. You know, after a couple years, he's let go because his contact with students is too casual. There's reports of him getting too personally involved with his students while at Dalton. A lot of the teachers just don't think he's
0: this way you were describing it how he was a prodigy and it's like you were saying like oh he was apparently a piano prodigy And it's like whenever like a kid with a suitably middle class family can play the piano they're gonna go around saying oh he's a piano prodigy when he's just a kid that plays the piano
1: exactly and you know he did skip a couple of years of school but that wasn't I think back then as big of a deal as it is now. He's sharp. He's he's not he's not a genius. There are never any confirmed cases of him being involved with students romantically, physically while he's at this school. Later during his first trial in 2008 When he's asked if he ever dated any former students from Dalton, he ends up pleading the fifth. Maybe he did, maybe he
0: didn't. He obviously did it.
1: There's no confirmations, but given what he got into later in life, very, very likely.
0: In my position as this random Australian guy on the internet, or rather, on a radio broadcast with no authority to say anything he definitely did it
1: epstein stuck out dalton compared to the rigor and the pedigree of the other people there during his time at dalton he gets to know a guy named alan greenberg not a name a lot of people know unless you keep up with new york finance uh best known as the ceo of bear stearns big financial firm that ended up collapsing during the uh 2000 2008 recession
0: yeah that's where i've heard it before what kind of ridiculous finance firm names themselves there. i mean the symbology there is just terrible
1: it means like the financial equivalent of going hey man break a leg i'm gonna name my billion dollar company for managing finances on shitty markets alternatively it's just the name of a guy one of the guys who founded it probably the case but honestly someone with that name shouldn't be getting into finance in the first place there's some bad mojo going on there yes my company
0: black friday finance
1: <laughs> yes no no Alan greenberg guy and apparently greenberg is impressed and on epstein's way out of Dalton, he ends up convincing one of Greenberg's um, employees to let him join the company. Like, apparently he makes this really good first impression he's like, with his
0: gold chain and his unbuttoned shirt.
1: College dropout high school math teacher who's at this point 23. I like to cut of your jib. Uh, you want to get involved in my extremely high profile finance company? Yeah, that's where he ends up going next. Um, joins Bear Stearns, is trained as a junior assistant floor trader, quickly climbs up the corporate ladder to being an options trader uh he's well known for his ability for working with extremely wealthy clients and his ability to predict where the market is headed and within four years he's 27 at this point two-time high school dropout no official financial training in any way he's a partner of one of the biggest finance companies in the world
0: you know i'm liking this guy less and less
1: no i would have think he'd already had made a pretty poor first impression
0: no i like the unbuttoned (laughs)
1: I, I, honestly, man, any any high school teacher with the, the balls to wear a gold chain, there's something admirable there, um, but he gets up to, I'd say, all in all, it comes out to be a pretty big negative on his part.
0: The high school teachers with the gold chains and unbuttoned shirts who don't become, like, pedophile island owners... I mean, I have no problem with them.
1: I wonder how much overlap there is, or you know, it's it's an aspirational thing. That's the end goal. Most don't get that far. Something else, a uh, fun little tidbit. Uh, this is 1981. By this point, um, it is this year that uh, Cosmopolitan magazine names him Bachelor
0: of the Month. That Was the reference I was making about he doesn't talk to anyone who doesn't have at least a million dollars? I believe that was in that.
1: So you you've heard about this guy? Uh, it's the memes. Places. I tell it's you the been memes. A while. Well, I'm just wondering why you specifically remember a issue of Cosmo from back in the early 80s as your primary source of information on this guy.
0: My primary source of information is the front page of Reddit, all right?
1: <laughs> all right. I appreciate your honesty there, man. So he ends up resigning from Bear Stearns in 1981 over a Regulation D violation. Um, there's a bit of ambiguity over exactly what that means. Uh, It could refer to a couple things. The most likely context is it's an article of the Securities Act, 1933, which basically says you have to... There's certain types of securities, which is stuff like properties, assets of the high-value variety, that you can, you do or don't register with the SEC before you trade. It's basically saying, all right, Here's what you have to register with us before you trade it to someone else. Also, Regulation D also refers to basically exchanging money in excess of the uh, more times than you're typically allowed to buy a bank. You know, when you're exchanging cash between accounts, there's only a certain number of times you can do that every month. Pretty typical insider trading,
0: right? It sounds like it. This is how they get away with all these shenanigans is because, as you explained it, it's so easy to tune out because I'm like, ah, what? Yeah, and no, that's exactly.
1: Yeah, no, this is just on oh, the boil all the SEC, uh, Securities Act of 1933, what the fuck even is a security?
0: And then they've taken off with all the money and everyone's not knowing what's going on because it was hard to keep track of. Probably not even that hard to keep track of if you have any emotional resonance with it, which is they do because they're stealing all the money or not paying it or whatever.
1: Epstein claims he was just lending like 20 grand to a friend and resigned over the unfair treatment. Uh, Other people are saying that like, no, he did something really bad here and we let him go. So there's not even agreement whether Epstein left of his own volition or he was basically fired. Either way, he ended up remaining pretty good friends with Greenberg and was a client of Bear Stearns until the firm collapsed. After this... Epstein goes on to found his own consulting firm, which is another very, uh, another thing that sticks out a lot, sticks in your brain. International Assets Group, Incorporated, very specific.
0: Also sinister in its vagaries.
1: Well, this goes, it's something easy to tune out. You hear that name, it's like, oh, what the fuck? I don't even know what that means. Why should I pay attention to this company that has no memorable name whatsoever? Obviously, it's not worth it. But during this time, Epstein is essentially like a high finance bounty hunter.
0: Which is not as cool as it sounds.
1: Basically, he helps very rich clients with recovering money stolen from them by fraudulent brokers, lawyers, general fraud, helped governments, the ultra rich recover embezzled funds. Uh, During this period, Epstein also started referring to himself as an intelligence agent. That's gonna be very important later on. We know that he possessed an Austrian passport under a false name that listed his residence as being in Saudi Arabia. We also know that one of his clients was one Aden, uh I'm probably gonna butcher this name, uh, Khashoggi, a Saudi Arabian businessman who helped move American weapons from Iran to Israel during the Iran contra Epstein apparently worked very closely with this guy. On top of all the other shit, Epstein was very likely involved with Iran. At least
0: in terms of like a facilitator to what was going on. I'm assuming there was lots of people involved in that.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's a certain level of plausible liability that can be given in this case or at least for most people like this, um, I think it's fairly safe to say with Jeffrey Epstein that we can just assume the worst in most circumstances. Another big guy that Epstein meets during this time is a guy named Les Wexner. Uh, That's a name that we're going to be hearing a lot. Uh, Les Wexner is chairman and CEO of L Brands, which is a big fashion company that owns, most notably, Victoria's Secret, as well as Bath & Body Works. Soon after meeting this guy, Epstein begins personally managing the finances of Wexner in a very direct manner. This is sort of a precursor to his later uh, business plans. Uh, we also see him meet a man named Steven Hoffenberg, who is uh, CEO of a debt collection agency named Tower Financial. Um, Tower Financial ends up basically getting canned in the mid-90s for being a huge Ponzi scheme. Gets hired by the guy in 1987, moves away from the bounty hunter life, spends the next couple years doing sort of the corporate raiding that you saw. You just saw all over the place during the late 80s. But he only stays around for a couple years. Tower Financial ends up being taken down. Uh, Hoffenberg claims that Epstein was heavily involved, but Epstein was never charged, of course. Now, during the middle of his time at Tower, Epstein found his own financial management firm, J. Epstein Company. According to Epstein Company, was formed. With the specific purpose of managing the assets of clients with net worths in excess of $1 billion. If you don't got at least a billion, he doesn't even want to talk to you. I
0: mean, after that makes years. sense.
1: And after he leaves Tower, he ends up focusing most of his efforts here. Next couple years are spent mostly in proximity to Les Wexner and buying up various properties. Uh, he buys a New York penthouse in the cheap from Wexner in 89, uh, buys a property in Palm Beach, Florida in 1990, splitting his time between New York and Florida. But 91 is the big year for him. This is the year when Wexner grants Epstein full power of attorney over all of his finances. Properties, bank accounts, checkbooks. And this is also the year where Jeffrey Epstein meets one Ghislaine Maxwell. Character that will be very important in the saga. She's sort of the... Robin to Jeffrey Epstein's Batman.
0: That could mean a lot of things.
1: That's a pretty apt comparison in multiple senses. All this is pretty boring,
0: essentially. Swords and Dragons would help me keep track of this better.
1: In the HBO adaptation, this is like two episodes tops. Maxwell is when things start getting particularly interesting. Her last name is very important here, as Ghislaine Maxwell is the daughter, the youngest daughter, of one Robert Maxwell. Are you familiar with that man, Mr. Choramson? I'm not. So, Robert Maxwell was a big newspaper magnate, in the UK especially. Basically, from World War II into the 90s, uh, Czechoslovakian, uh, Jewish man ends up fleeing the Nazis pre-World War II. Joins the British military, reaches the rank of captain, afterwards basically settles down, becomes a businessman focusing on newspapers, most famous of which is the Daily Mirror, has a famous Rivalry of Rupert Murdoch. In the late 60s, he's the MP for Buckingham, which is a place that's going to be notable going forwards. Basically just lives the high life. Big on yellow co- helicopter piloting, yachts. So his lane is brought into his life in 1961, raised among all this affluence. Typical rich UK upbringing goes to Oxford. In 1991, Robert Maxwell sends her off to New York. His emissary of sorts to deal with his purchase of the New York Daily News. Apparently, she's Robert's favorite child to the point where he named his favorite yacht uh, the Lady Ghislaine after her. This is the same yacht that he will die on. Ooh, ta da ta. Uh, Robert Maxwell was very likely a spy for Israeli intelligence. There's been rumors going around him for a long fucking time. Probably the most damning thing is uh, at his funeral, six serving and former heads of Israeli intelligence intended. Former Israeli prime minister Yitzhak Shamir says about him, he has done more for Israel than can today be said. As far as that death goes, the man dies on November 5th, 1991. The official story is that he fell overboard from the ladies' lane. The ruling was that he died of a heart attack combined with drowning, though three different pathologists were unable to ascertain the
0: cause of his death. That's just, I mean, that's something that could absolutely happen, obviously, but oh, heart attack and fell off a yacht is just classic motor cover-up.
1: There's a lot of suspicious shit surrounding it. Don't we need to get into that? Key thing here is that Maxwell dies in the wake of his death. It comes out that he was massively in debt and embezzling millions of pounds from his company's pensions to shore up the share value of the shares of his companies. His sons try to keep the business together after he dies, but they end up following for bankruptcy the following year. And in the center of all of this chaos is when Ghislaine Maxwell, whose father di- just died, who she was very close with, his business empire following a part around her. This is when she meets Jeffrey Epstein.
0: So this is like, okay, in the HBO adaptation, we've had the first two episodes which are all about Epstein. Then he meets Ghislaine Maxwell at the last at this last second of the last moment of the second episode and then the third episode it suddenly set the UK and it's her backstory this is coming together
1: Ghislaine is a fairly interesting figure in this whole saga um for a long time she was Epstein's primary girlfriend first among many she managed his affairs in multiple senses of the word and she was also essentially even after they broke up his madam organizing all the girls Epstein himself decided despite being in New York finance and such, was apparently kind of an awkward guy. So that's where Ghislaine come in, very charming, upper crust British woman, able to move amongst old money, whereas Epstein's much more of a new money sort, able to get girls to trust her. She's also kind of an interesting figure in the 90s as this is, Ghislaine is a woman that establishes herself early on as being uncommonly frank about her sexuality. During one of her interviews in the period, quote, she didn't talk about Epstein, but during the shoot she did tell a story about how she hosted a dinner party with a number of young girls and she put dildos at each of the play settings. Ghislaine then described how during dinner two guests who were a couple began demonstrating how to do perfect fellatio on a man and she was laughing about it. And Remember the first descriptor being used for this is young. You will hear that word a lot moving forward. So during this time, he's living between Manhattan Townhouse and a Columbus, Ohio property right next to the main residence of Wexner. Wexner continues to be his main client throughout this entire saga. Wexner apparently had no idea that any of this stuff
0: was going on. I just had a thought to help me keep track of things. Okay, every time you introduce a new character, I want you to cast them. <laughs> okay? So I'm,
1: I'm no I can good have with actor names, man. I'll ask you to do that, but. Um, Honestly, there's sort of four primary characters in this saga to keep an eye on. I've already introduced three. The last of which I'll be introducing later is a man by the name of Jean-Luc Brunel. Maxwell, Epstein, Wexner, and Brunel are the key figures in this saga. All the Clintons and the Trumps and the famous actors and the Chris Tuckers all of those are cameos, essentially.
0: I'm gonna cast uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Lane Maxwell.
1: I think we should wait on who to cast as the Epstein. I think that's a... no, the
0: thing is Epstein I can actually see in my head. That's the one I have the least trouble with. Um, uh, Wexler, Wexler, Paul Rudd.
1: Russ Wexner is like this old. Um, he's what you imagine when you think of like kind of a squirrely old rich dude.
0: It's Woody Allen in my head.
1: Oh, well, that's another fun person that has uh, actual recorded
0: connection. Oh, God. Epstein, if he's connected, English. then I can't cast Woody Allen. as Westbrook. Oh, I don't
1: think you can. I think Woody Allen's going to gonna have to be cast as himself, unfortunately.
0: Uh, so, yeah, okay. I've got it all in my head now.
1: So, Maxwell ends up being sort of his connection that brings Epstein into the real upper crust of society. Epstein knows business, but he doesn't know how to socialize, so... Maxwell is sort of able to compensate for him there. In the wake of him meeting Maxwell in 1992, he s- first strikes up his friendship with Mr. Jo- Donald J. Trump. Maxwell and Epstein are seen partying with him at one of his properties in Mar a Lago during the Stampede.
0: Is that from the famous video that I've seen where Trump is uh, making a weird mouth?
1: No, gesture? the thing where he's talking about how Epstein. Um, Uh, is a big fan of young woman, loves woman. Nah, that's a different video. I believe that interview was done in the early 2000s.
0: I'm not talking about an interview. I'm talking about the party video.
1: Okay, very likely, yes. I think there may be more than one, though. Because apparently Trump and Epstein partied together for a great deal of the 90s. We don't have as much records with him as we do with Clinton.
0: Trump partied with a lot of people in the 80s and 90s.
1: Yeah, but on a very rather personal level, they were like would regularly party together. This isn't the case of, oh, Epstein and Trump are like happening to be meeting each other at some New York to get get together. This is they know each other, they're friends, they're actively seeking out one another to go out in the town.
0: So they're kindred spirits,
1: essentially. In 93, Epstein goes to the White House uh, for the first time as part of a dinner for the donors to the White House Historical Association. This is the first time he meets the newly office Bill Clinton. Uh, He has been confirmed to have been at the White House at least three more times. There are pictures taken of him in the Oval Office, though I believe Clinton was not present in these pictures. 93 is also the year he buys his New Mexico estate. Which is one of the wackier parts of this whole saga, but we'll get into that later.
0: What is it about rich people in the U.S. having really wacky estates and ranches and things?
1: Oh, uh, just great. wait until I get into some of the shit they found in his various houses. Just a preview. One of them is a jar of human eyeballs. That
0: Well, okay.
1: Rich people are weird, dude. And they were all from the same person um presumably not from the same person that's a lot of eyeballs think one of those count the marbles and win a prize type
0: things heard it here first folks frank says that jeffrey epstein was the eyeball biting man
1: so 94 goes by as usual as does 95 the main thing that sticks out with 95 95- 95 is that
0: uh this is the year that jeffrey epstein joins the council of foreign relations oh that's that's a name That's a conspiracy name
1: you're gonna be running into a lot of those soon um also the year bill clinton personally has dinner at jeffrey epstein's home um in 96 famous lawyer alan dershowitz who would later defend such notable clients as oj simpson harvey weinstein and big jeff himself meets the man apparently they were introduced by uh lynn forster de rothschild oh no oh no uh, this year, Epstein changes the name of his finance firm from J. Epstein Company to another catchy title, Financial Trust Company.
0: Again, with these fucking vague names.
1: For tax reasons the company is officially based in the Virgin Islands. However, this is also around the time that Epstein starts spending a lot more time at his property in the Virgin Islands.
0: He really chose the country with the right name, didn't he?
1: The island named Little St. James, but apparently with it, In only, like, a couple years, the locals are already calling it Pedophile Island. Word spreads fast around the Virgin Islands, apparently. So we've kind of established Epstein's key properties here. This is a... As a rich man in the U.S., these are a pretty big part of the saga. We got his New York penthouse. We got his private island. We have his Key West mansion. We have his New Mexico ranch. And the last one, which doesn't really fit in for a while is a Paris home that he has.
0: I'm just going to say that once more for the obligatory unknown armies, that's another campaign framework right there. Everyone is playing like a local in the Virgin Islands who could see that there's definitely a pedophile island over there and you get to shut it down. Like that could be a campaign framework. Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, I think that's definitely something that is important and should be done as soon as possible in your Unknown Armies campaign. So for the rest of the 90s, Epstein and Ghislaine spend most of their time between Little St. James in New York. He's by now living in the New York apartment sold to him by Les Wexner. The rest of the apartment complex is owned by a company called Osa Properties, a company owned by Epstein's brother Mark. In addition to Epstein and Ghislaine, the property has at various times housed individuals such as name I brought up earlier, MT2 models, founder Jean-Luc Brunel, former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, as well as numerous underage girls.
0: I'm sorry, but John Luke Brunel is going to have to be cast as Patrick Stewart, even though it's just because of the first name.
1: Don't do that to a man. Fuck, man. I don't even know how well Patrick Stewart can do a French accent.
0: I just... It's terrible, and I feel bad to Sir Patrick Stewart for doing this, but also he's a really good actor, and he might be able to play this role. We're entering
1: into the new millennium here. This is where things really start kind of branching off a bit, so... Torfson, where do you want to go from here? That's my question for you.
0: I don't know. Where do I want to go from here? Um, what are my options? I think this is a good time to take a break, actually. Yes, possibly.
1: All right. Uh, we're going to take a color here, here, folks. And after that, I will continue regaling Torfson uh, with tales about the pedophiles that rule the world. Stay tuned, everyone. Five. Seven, seventeen, seventeen.
0: Thirty-six, fifty-four,
1: fifty-six, fifty-seven, sixty-four, ninety-nine,
0: twenty-two, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty-two, forty-seven, seventy-six, seventy-nine, eighty-four, ninety-two, ninety-two, And we are back with the man... With the documents, Frank, tell us more about Jeffrey. Where do you want to go, man? I would like to hear details that can be gameable. I want to hear details about not just what is necessarily um, what is known, but also what is rumored. Because this is a game about rumors. Like, I know that this is a big story with lots of nonsense surrounding it. A lot of the nonsense is true. I will leave it up to your judgment. There's lots of different directions you can go for what you've given me so far.
1: Honestly, the idea you had before in regards to all the people on the Virgin Islands trying to figure out what's going on in Pedophile Island, seems like a good place to start as any. And there is a lot of weird shit associated with Little St. James. Most prominent, of which would probably be that famous temple on the island. Square building, blue and white stripes with sort of the golden dome on top.
0: What is the deal with that building?
1: There are twin statues on the roof as well of owls. So plenty of Moloch bohemian grove goodness going on there, I'm sure. There's a wooden door, or at least what looks like one, on the building. But sort of an interesting thing about that is that that's not actually a door. That's just the image of one painted onto the side. The actual way to get into the building is just a sliding screen door.
0: So that door which is not a real door, is only a real door sometimes. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely.
1: We don't have any exact idea of what went on there. There is drone footage of the island that's come out since. All of that was taken years after the island was actually vacated. Um, From what people could see on the drone footage, it looked like there was just ladders in there, some construction equipment. But we do have reports, actually. There was probably not a sacrificial altar in there. No, it wasn't there.
0: What was in there? A
1: very... Very, very nice piano.
0: (laughs) Which could also double as a
1: sacrificial altar, really. True. There's been a couple reports about individuals that are supposedly hired as piano tuners. run onto the island, showed into this weird temple-looking thing, tuned the piano. So we actually have a couple similar reports from different piano tuners of what's inside this place. Absolutely beautiful baby grand piano, ties in with all that earlier piano prodigy bullshit, as well as floor to ceiling bookshelves. And the piano is on like a little elevated area in the center, and the bookshelves were covered with airport bestsellers. Big, thick, hardcover books, that look far more impressive than they actually are.
0: Well, the thing about airport bestsellers is if you're a real occultist, that's what's in your occult library. You got your Dean Koontz.
1: All the shit that Crowley and stuff wrote, that's largely bullcrap. Uh, you got to sift through what has been given out to the public. You know, past all of this child sacrifice and abuse, and there's still this dimension of rich people desperate to impress each other
0: yeah it does really sound like that you have
1: this scary temple looking thing and on the inside you know there's of course i'm sure some horrible rituals going on there but when jeffy boy brings in all the members of the bohemian grove they perform a black mass over the body of a nine-year-old he wants them to know exactly how well
0: ready he's like do you get this reference in my ritual
1: I liked the idea that he was, like, very... He didn't think that anyone would get the Lolita Express nickname. That's, like, when he came up with himself, and he thought by making a Nobikov reference, to was
0: was, being very impressive. I just assumed it was, like, the media name, like a serial killer's name. Oh, that
1: was actually... uh, That was a name that was going around in his inner circle. That's stupid. Why? The Lolita Express was actually a name that goes back a while.
0: And so he chooses for his literary reference the most well-known and obvious reference to pedophilia in the modern Western canon. Fucking genius.
1: what fuck, man. What do you want him to reference? Magic Mountain?
0: I don't know. Something classical, maybe? I don't know.
1: Oh, your primary issue with Epstein here is that he isn't indie enough for you?
0: That's how hipster I am.
1: (laughs) All right. So next thing on the list of weird shit going on on the island. Uh, Apparently the thing is riddled with tunnels.
0: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me.
1: Which goes back to all sorts of shit, like the finders, and apparently there's tunnels underneath his New Mexico property. And, you know, this goes into all that shit um, with the uh, tunnels beneath the Denver airport, where they're supposedly keeping the... I believe it's basically described as, like, an Amazon warehouse for child sex slaves that the Deep
0: State runs. Can you imagine... Being the guy who got to have to walk all the way over to the other side of the warehouse for this particular child. Uh,
1: so, one of the most interesting things about the island is exactly who has been on it over. Now, the Lillian Express is most famous as the method to get from, as Epstein's method to get from New York usually, bringing his friends along do whatever horrible shit they call partying far as known individuals because we actually in the wake of his 2005 arrest which was his first arrest i believe it was a former servant of his like not that kind like person that actually cleans up after him and shit was able to nab the flight logs and give them to the authorities because there's two documents list of names that are associated with that there's the flight logs of the elite express and there's his so-called black book which is basically his address book the address book has a lot more names associated with it but there's also more of a level of plausible deniability there because you know he was a businessman associated with a lot of fucking people. The flight plan, there's a level of, uh, I am actively associating with this guy for hours on end, and we're going to his property, which very likely has obviously underage girls on it. Coming from reports uh, from various servants around, we also know that the entire island, basically floor to ceiling, is covered with mics and games.
0: That kind of makes sense. Well, it
1: kind of ties into one of the most common theories of actually what Epstein was up I mean there he was obviously gaining a lot out of it personally
0: he was up to something more than just the pedophilia? Does there have to the be The idea more? Is, is that he like...
1: was essentially a honeypot for an intelligence
0: agent. Oh, yeah, okay, that From makes sense. From
1: all the connections with Israel, um, the usual one presented as Mossad, can also be the CIA. Either way, among the sort of famous business people that have been known to gone to the island, uh, Bill Clinton has been known to have gone 27 times. Well, at least on the flight logs, we don't necessarily know if they went to the island all of those times.
0: It makes a lot of sense that it would be yeah. like a honeypot kind of thing, yeah. uh, especially yeah. these days. Because back in the day, the like intelligence agencies, when they did sort of honeypot operations like that, they could fall back on like more conservative social mores, and they could just, if you catch someone like just cheating or you know their, or sleeping with someone or oh, day in private, sleep, whatever. Yep. Yeah, they can they can use that. O- they can hold that over you, like. And most of the time, it kind of worked. My favorite story of how it when it failed completely was when the KGB tried to do it against the uh, President Sukarno of um, Indonesia. And they got some... They filmed him sleeping with some... I think he thought they were prostitutes, but they're actually working for the KGB. And they took him to a theater and they showed it to him, like not telling him what it was. And it showed a video of him sleeping with these women. And they were going to use that as a political leverage over him. And his reaction to it was delight and demands (laughs) for a copy.
1: (laughs) Oh, God fucking bless. So... On the flight logs, we have listed Bill Clinton, of course, that's a big one. Trump has, as far as we know, never flown on the Lolita Express. But there's a lot of other cases of them being cited. The... It's kind of weird thing with Trump as a parent. There's rumors going around that uh, in the mid-2000s, after all the shit with um, the pedophilia started to be made public, supposedly Trump banned Epstein from his Mar-a-Lago estate and cut off contact.
0: What do you you have to do to be banned from the Mar-a-Lago estate if you're already rich?
1: As opposed to Clinton, who had much closer ties with Epstein. For example, Epstein was one of the founders, initial funders of Clinton Global Initiative which is this big charity program that they do, especially around the Caribbean. Um, there's a lot of sketchy shit in Heidi associated with them, supposedly them using uh, stuff in the wake of hurricanes that hit there to get child sex slaves. This ties into a bunch of the Pizzagate shit. That's territory on so.
0: That's a whole different topic.
1: It's not a whole different topic, but we don't have enough time to cover it.
0: It's a barrel of worms.
1: So, but... On top of all these famous people, like, you know, politicians and um, Prince Andrew is a good example, there's also a lot of, there's a couple entertainers that have been known to flow the lead express. Cyndi Lauper is
0: one of them. Cyndi Lauper? Okay. They all just want to have fun.
1: That's <laughs> fucking damn it. Um, there's the famous case of Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Clinton, Chris Tucker, and Kevin Spacey all flying to Loli to express together and spending a week together, jet setting around Africa to various AIDS benefits.
0: So this is going to be your campaign starter kit. Going to start up Kevin Spacey all and Chris a, Tucker. All
1: a, you're all in a playing with Jeffrey Epstein. You, you've you barely heard of this guy. You just know he's fairly rich and
0: you realize things are going horribly, horribly wrong.
1: That's the picture. That's where I think that Chris Tucker was in this whole situation. Like you have Bill Clinton and kevin spacey and jeffrey epstein who are all tied to the most heinous shit and chris tucker's just like hey jeff thanks for bringing me on your very fancy plane uh i'm super looking forward to helping fight aids with you oh
0: it is so good because chris tucker has the best face for like slowly dawning horror the other
1: the other potential situation is that he was totally complicit with the whole thing and that's where he got the name ruby ruby
0: Well, I don't know. I'm not emotionally invested in Chris Tucker enough to care.
1: I don't know what he's been up to since the Rush Hour movies. I have seen him in nothing. Maybe he's been trying to stay low since the shit with Epstein. Maybe he saw too much with Epstein and just doesn't want to be part of the business. Kind of
0: imagine that he was wearing the costume he was in the Fifth Element the whole time.
1: Speaking of entertainment, Harvey Weinstein has also been known to have been on the island, of course. I don't think that really surprises anyone.
0: Yeah, no, surprised me at all i'm surprised that he doesn't have an island
1: epstein was not just a man of high society or a man who was a great patron of the arts he was also a man of science
0: you can't just like slowly say a man of and then trail off because then i just want to fill it with a man of wealth and taste and it was just not the right words to say at that point
1: no he was also a man of science um People that have been on the island include Stephen Pinker, a prominent psychologist. Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking? What the hell is he doing there? Uh, Having a good time, apparently. There is a picture out there of Stephen Hawking um, on Little St. James with uh, Arm Candy standing nearby. Though I guess Arm Candy is not the best uh, way to put it in his case. Um, Something to keep in mind is that Stephen Hawking has been married twice and he... He cheated on his first wife, didn't he? Yes, yeah, after he had, like, the disorder that put him in a wheelchair. So there's an uncomfortable truth that Stephen Hawking fucks. Is it that uncomfortable? That's, that's your... Well, that's if, your he's hang on, if he's on Middle St. games while he's doing it, then yes.
0: he's what? Oh, yes, yes, okay. In
1: addition, Epstein has um, links with MIT. That's been a big... All sorts of problems going on since he died and a bunch of stuff came out about him. But one of the most interesting things about that is that uh, one of the guys who was fired there said that he went to the island and you know there was girls around and su- girls around and such, but he didn't know any of the girls who were underage.
0: Oh yeah, that's a, that's a likely story. I
1: mean yeah, of course. Like he could obviously just be full of bullshit, but that does tie in with the sort of honeypot thing pretty well. You have this remote island covered head to toe with cameras and microphones. You bring all these influential people onto it and say, Hey, have fun with the girls, do whatever. Uh, you don't tell them until later. Oh, by the way, all these girls that you were sleeping with were underaged. I have footage of it. I happen to have a finances firm dedicated to managing the assets of particularly rich people. Perhaps if we strike a deal here, you become one of my clients and none of those tapes get out.
0: That does make a lot of sense. The Virgin Islands, the age of consent is 16, so I'm assuming that would mean they would fill it with 14 and 15-year-olds if it was going to be uh, a honeypot.
1: Lower, uh, lower than that. If it, was, so, if it was lower
0: than that, it would be obvious what they're trying to do. I
1: figured it would depend on the I audience, guess. right? I mean, he had a lot of people. He had a lot of space on there. He just, all right, uh, the sci- the respectable scientists are coming out today. Uh, make sure you keep the twelve-year-olds locked up. Oh, God. I mean, Epstein was very obviously getting high off his own supply, so to speak. Um, this is kind of where Jean-Luc I'm gonna bring in Jean-Luc Brunel here, because Jean-Luc Brunel is a famous uh recruiter for the fashion industry, especially in France. Epstein obviously had a lot of connections with the fashion industry.
0: And there's uh, also a whole thing about really shitty treatment of models and stuff in the fashion industry.
1: Well, that's the thing. Jean-Luc Brunel was known, was one of, if not the most infamous people for that. There were documentaries, exposés about him coming out in the 80s. I think the late 70s even about him raping and abusing models he recruited. And despite this, Epstein gladly befriended him in the early 2000s. Brunel was sort of his primary um, pimp in Europe especially. One of the more heinous anecdotes surrounding him is that apparently he once gifted epstein uh 12 year old russian triplets as a birthday gift that's fucked up currently the guys on the he spent a lot he's one of the guys that spent a lot of time staying in epstein's apartment he is on the flight logs for the elite express numerous times and apparently he basically made a home in epstein's paris property that's basically where he stayed and currently the guys on the run, he hasn't been really seen. Nobody really knows. There's a lot of very interesting evidence linking him to a lot of very powerful people. Uh, Ghislaine is in a similar situation right now. Nobody knows where she is. Back to the sciences thing, because Epstein had some interesting tastes in regard. Like, you know, he has this whole sort of mythos around him as a boy genius almost of someone that taught, despite dropping out of college twice at one of the most prestigious high schools in manhattan so he has according to a bunch of scientists that have talked to him very wide ranging from theoretical physics to mathematics to transhumanism now this is sort of where his uh new mexico property zoro ranch comes in
0: what ranch Zorro Ranch. Oh okay i thought you said zuma ranch i was like again <laughs>
1: No, Zoro Ranch had a number of things, an uh, interesting piece of furniture. He apparently had a private observatory. Former servants of his at the area have talked about him having a bunch of taxidermy. Uh, one of the things, a lot of art of... So that's what happened to the Russian yeah. triplets. Oh, Christ. No, uh, Epstein is much more on the nose. He had a taxidermy stuffed lion and a taxidermy stuffed lamb nearby. That's such a... He's so on the nose. Really, man, these, these these billionaire pedophiles just aren't subtle.
0: That's the problem with these new money billionaire pedophiles. So tacky. Yeah,
1: the ones like the 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 ones like the Rothschilds and such are, you know, they, they, they've they learned of these. Oh, and another fun thing, by 2000, um, not only was he part of the Council of Foreign Relations, he was also a member of the Trilateral
0: Commission. If he's the member of the Trilateral I I really think they're just a fucking bunch of rich people who just get drunk and talk shit and then control the world, like, it's sinister but it's not sinister the right way oh no, they
1: aren't like you know doing the dr claw bullshit of or mr burns of you know tenting their fingers and thinking about which country they're going to depose in the next year it's yes these people rule the world They're really just getting drunk and belligerent, being only slightly smarter than the average person.
0: If that. Because what your description of Epstein is, it sounds like he has a kind of shallow intellect, like a dilettante.
1: To me, it sounds like he's a fucking nerd. Like, above all else, supporting the arts. He's trying to put himself off as a renaissance man, but he has very little social skills, apparently. To the point where he has to recruit a lot of people surrounding him to... Get woman for him.
0: I mean, what kind of social skills? Mostly non What kind of social skills are you going to have? You don't has. need to have social skills if you've got that much power because you just like, yes, just.
1: Uh, I think old money, you do a bit more because a lot of that is just sort of jockeying for influence among established people. But no, if you have a meal ticket and you have things that are constantly giving you a large amount of money. Because nobody, still nobody knows how much money he had. Because at that level, it's purely abstract, pretty much. It's just, you have assets.
0: Old Money is playing a different game because they grew up with it, so it doesn't matter. What matters is relative status. But for New Money, it's like, well, fuck it, I got mine, this is good. And their children are going worry about the status bullshit. Well, they do worry about the status bullshit, but it's, they're happy to have it and show it off. As opposed to, like, the way Old Money does it, where they're competing with each other for abstract Senses of respect.
1: So, speaking of children, that's sort of where his New Mexico ranch comes in. Supposedly, before he died, he was outfitting the place to have essentially a harem. Epstein's plan, he was getting old, gray-haired, starting to think about his own mortality. Presumably why he was getting involved in transhuman stuff. That's also presumably why he was planning to impregnate as many women as possible. I think he was aiming for triple digits. And these women would then live on Zorro Ranch. God damn it. All right. Uh, Zorro Ranch also um, is nearby a bunch of nuclear test sites. Apparently... Epstein had a bunch of links with um, one of the nearby universities. He's donated a lot of money to them. Apparently, they have a lot of connections with Cormac McCarthy, of all people. I'm not sure the extent of Epstein's connections to him personally, but I know this particular university has a lot of connections with McCarthy. In an indirect sense, um, Jeffrey Epstein very well may have led to stuff like Blood Meridian being partly having the money to write. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, so he... F- but there's a lot of shit that you can connect just through proximity with Zorro Ranch. um That observatory that was shut down about a year back, very close to it.
0: I know I was making a joke about having a campaign escape from Epstein Island. Now I'm thinking escape from Zorro Ranch where everyone is playing one of his children that got fathered in a transhumanist way and it's just like, fuck this, we're out. <laughs>
1: But that's, like, the transhumanist shit is very interesting because despite all this shit where Epstein is very obviously trying to find out how to extend his genetics and his life as long as possible, he hangs himself. Because he was fucked. I assume at some point Epstein fathered some children.
0: Yes, it seems likely. God help those kids, Jesus. I know. With what little reading and stuff I've seen about Epstein and terms of levels of conspiracy theory about his death, the thing that seems the most likely to me is that he knew he was fucked and fell on his sword and they just turned the cameras off and had the guards walk away. It's more of a like, FDR ignored Pearl Harbor versus a Bush did 9-11 situation.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying there, but I mean, the very, the mechanics, I mean, did you have you heard the stories on how he supposedly hung himself? Uh,
0: yeah, I Yeah, I no, I'm not in detail, but I know that there's the coroner came out with something that he couldn't do it that way.
1: First of all, Epstein was already on suicide watch. About a week previously, he supposedly already tried to hang himself. The way that he did it, supposedly, is that he tied a sheet around the top bunk because he had a a roommate. We'll get into that guy in a bit. Tied a sheet around the top bunk, got on his knees at the foot of the bed, tied the end of the noose around him, and leaned forward until he choked.
0: That does seem unlikely.
1: His roommate is this interesting guy. He was like a crooked ex-cop. Just. Huge fucker. Heavily involved in drug smuggling. Ended up killing like a dozen people in a shootout.
0: Where was he during the the death? I actually don't know on the top bunk with his knee on his back, maybe?
1: There's a lot of sketchy shit surrounding it, speculating exactly what happened. It's one of those things of, like, both security guards were basically not even paying attention. They're in a lot of trouble for that right now, getting prosecuted. There's just so much sketchy shit that happened that makes it so that we have no idea what exactly happened to him.
0: From an unknown army's point of view, like, someone tying a sheet around their neck like that, and, like, it seems unlikely that someone could do it with the, the self-preservation instincts and all that sort of thing so if you wanted someone to do that you would possess them with a demon that was willing to do that
1: that's possible perhaps he was trying to ascend as the archetype of the depraved billionaire
0: or they wanted to get rid of him because he knew too many people so they possessed him and the demon was like all right i'll i'll kill epstein and then Go into a new body and you'll give me Chick fil A or whatever the demon wanted.
1: I guess going into the last of the really particularly weird shit, the stuff they found at his New York mansion in detail has been rather interesting. Among the f- jar of eyeballs, in his mansion there are also apparently rows upon rows of individually framed eyeballs that epstein apparently told someone were made for injured soldiers and imported from england these are glass eyes there's a giant naked sculpture of an african warrior a stuffed black poodle he liked to keep on top of one of his pianos what a set of prosthetic breasts that he kept mounted on the wall in the master bedroom
0: that's, well, that just sounds tacky, but also possibly disturbing. It's both. A
1: trophy room, which included a stuffed giraffe. A painted mural, not a—not like a portrait, a mural of himself in prison. What? A life-sized doll that hung from a chandelier. A, ch- a giant chessboard with each piece modeled after one of his staff.
0: <laughs> oh, that is some, definitely some symbology there.
1: Uh, various pictures of powerful people, sometimes hidden in them, sometimes not. Pictures included photos with President Bill Clinton, Director Woody Allen, uh, Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and the Peace de resistance, a painting of Bill Clinton in a stained blue dress and red heels.
0: I have seen that painting.
1: All this paints a very interesting pa- Like. The guy was a depraved monster, obviously. I can get into the more of the details about the reports we've heard from literal sex slaves he used to. F- it's bad, very bad. But the guy was also, on top of all that, a massive
0: dweeb. Yep, such a dweeb.
1: Trying to extend his life through a harem, having apparently plastic kits mounted in his bedroom i mean i'm an open book torn any further questions you got I'm um, you.
0: there's just so much here to work with um i mean there's so many details that are easily stealable for just a ridiculous wealthy over-the-top villain
1: all of the stuff in his apart in his new york apartment in particular is just that's not even to mention like how apparently there were dildos in like almost every room At his Florida State, the Florida State was the one he got in the most trouble for. That's where he was having his employees recruit, not even like famous models. Because the thing about the models is that there's a level of legitimacy there that makes it easier to put up a front for something like a honeypot. But Epstein himself was much less picky, apparently. He would have his employees just recruit high school girls from local neighborhoods in Florida. Basically say, Hey, my client wants you to have to massage them. It'll be two hundred bucks. It's like not even half an hour of work things would go about as well as you to matter
0: what comes out to me the most is just this sort of arrogance because it's it's just this shonky operation with so many holes in it he didn't have to worry about it anything getting out he was protected A smile and wink and there was so much levels of plausible deniability or like yeah it's models it's not high school students and things like that it-
1: there's this level of insecurity i detect too like i know that's kind of easy to say and sort of obvi- an obvious uh observation but this guy on a certain level seems like a nerd like a, a math geek almost that ended up somehow getting roped into being a honeypot using teen and younger girls for one of the most powerful intelligence agencies in the world whichever one that is
0: it's mossad isn't it
1: and honestly yeah like, there's a lot of shit here that very, that sounds like the most outlandish anti-Semitic conspiracy bullshit. But, I mean, Israel intelligence does do a lot of sketchy shit.
0: Because intelligence agencies do a lot of sketchy shit. I mean, that's yeah, that's how they operate. Exactly.
1: No, exactly. And Israel's sort of the little brother. They gotta go that extra mile to get in the room with the big boys. And apparently that involves getting um, video recordings of the sitting U.S. president with very likely preteen girls. But how to game this? Just a little individual anecdotes from the stuff inside his various places of living are great to me. Just exploring this depraved billionaire's house and coming across, you know, a lot of scary shit, but also a lot of extremely tacky shit.
0: That is something that's important to remember with these kinds of villains, if you want to design them. It, combining the utter evil depravity with just bad taste is fairly plausible. It
1: goes very well with Ordo in a rather literal sense. In There's a lot case, to talk
0: but... about there. Good old autocopulentus. How come those guys haven't been caught yet? I honestly don't know.
1: I mean, a lot, I think it's just different circles because a lot of the stuff people Epstein were associated with were more New York upper crust, which is more like Democrat. In Ordo Corpulentis is a lot more, you know, conservative Republican. I mean, this is not to say I'm sure Epstein was, I mean, you know, Trump being the most prominent example, but all those people over in the UK he's involved with that are a lot more Tory leaning. And all that shit with the um, scandal you were talking about earlier under Thatcher. Well, the
0: interesting thing about the Tories is, um, and that's the Tory culture, is they'll talk shit about American Republicans, like just because of the nature of the political divide by the fact that the Tories often end up being closer to the Democrats in their political leanings half the time. It's so you can see a lot of like, it makes sense that they'd be involved in that in the New York liberal elite world. (laughs) More than the whatever exists in the conservative sphere.
1: Uh, other thing you can pull from this. This is just a good example of sort of how large power networks operate and the way leverage is done. Like one of the big things, and this is something that has been observed, is happening. Is you know, there you're catching little smatterings of occult, like all the weird stuff in his apartment, the temple on his island, Pizzagate territory. There's a lot more there, but actual real-world child trafficking groups have used ritualistic aspects as ways to make their victim's testimony less plausible.
0: Well, that's the thing, the interesting thing I think about these, like, whenever you find, like, little drips and drabs of, like, occult bullshit, it just comes across to me, it's like, yeah, of course there is, because they're fucking edgelords, as well as being monsters, and they, they're they dealing with the same fucking occult canon as the rest of us. Chargers
1: and chargers are edgelords, too. I mean, I'm not gonna say most chargers would get up to something of this level of depravity, but I think if you gave them enough rope, more would be willing to than...
0: Well, that's the whole idea of, like, uh, what's that? Like, Stalin is bad, but the guy down the road would be just as bad in that position.
1: I don't know the exact quote, but, yeah, I understand what you're getting at there. Well,
0: the thing is, the average Charger is, is more obsessed... The average charger wouldn't end up in the same position as Jeffrey Epstein because the average charger doesn't make much money because it's the only chargers who are rich can't spend it. In
1: a sense, I agree. I mean, Mancers being the obvious exception here. But that's
0: what I mean. Um, like, Plutomancers can't got spend their money. I
1: mean, it didn't look like... It, well, Epstein was spending money, but it didn't look like he was spending his own. It looked like he was spending the money of people he had leverage of. Okay, over.
0: does that avoid the Plutomancer taboo? I think it does, actually. Uh, I try to stay clear of those guys.
1: The other thing, though, is that Far as like if you're if you're like some sort of intelligence agency trying to compromise someone, an obsession is a very good bit of leverage to have over someone. Say your only way of getting charges is something that is given to you by your handler in the CIA. But
0: what is an example of that?
1: Money from a pluto for a plutomancer would be an example. Um, maybe you're a pornomancer with not exactly that's not exactly the best at getting partners not very good looking you don't got much money you know some intelligence agency comes in and is like hey if you're willing to use your powers to help us here and we can get you as many women as you want
0: okay that's interesting so some maybe someone who has been exiled or split off from the main uh cabals
1: i mean that's already split but yeah like when all that went down someone that didn't go into any of the main three
0: okay that makes sense Maybe even an alchemist um, who is given...
1: um, And drugs are a classic piece of intelligence leverage. So, yeah, that works perfectly. But also ingredients, right?
0: You could also go with authentic thaumaturgers. Need very specific, hard-to-source ingredients that are a lot easier for an intelligence agency to source than an individual.
1: I mean, by their nature of being international, like, say there's some sort of obscure flower that only grows and... Southeast Asia and just you have a charge is not going to have the money to go jet setting and take a trick into the jungle to find it but if these guys have a
0: base nearby then generally authentic thaumaturges seem a little bit more stable than your average charger so if I was an intelligence agency I would probably rather work with uh, a thaumaturge than an adept.
1: There's also just plenty of archetype potential going on here know what this whole affair reminds me of more than anything else? The affair of the
0: poisons. What's that?
1: Essentially back in the reign of I believe it was Louis XIV in France a bunch of people very close to him and and the French nobility were revealed to be doing satanic rituals together and we're talking dark shit black masses where they slit the throats of children and let the blood drip over a naked woman type shit all this came out supposedly because there was this one woman that was involved with a bunch of these rituals she was also making poisons for people as well as performing abortions for the nobility and she ends up getting discovered says that a bunch of various members of the nobility are involved with this in one way or another. Uh, The most prominent of which was Louis XIV's official mistress because that was a thing they had back then. He was sleeping with a lot of women, but he had, in addition to his wife, an official primary mistress. Supposedly, this woman was doing black masses as a way to ensure Louis's love to maintain her status. So all this comes out and barely anything is done with it. Most names, we don't even know who they were. There's all these powerful people engaging in literal satanic rituals. There was a lot of stuff done to make sure that names didn't get out, including Louis XIV himself pulled strings to make sure that didn't happen because
0: there's just too many powerful people involved. 17th century France, that makes sense. we
1: are And we're ta- Again, I'm not talking like vaguely Moloch bullshit like could be construed with FC. I'm talking literal black masses.
0: Look, Mo- Moloch has been unfairly maligned, but this sounds terrible. Uh,
1: I'm, not, I'm not big on the whole child furnace thing. Like, that's just me. I'm not big on this bull god that is full of furnaces you've put kids
0: into. Maybe you should not listen to the fake news that the Romans spread around, okay?
1: As well as Alan Ginsberg, speaking of pedophiles.
0: Oh, God, there's, just, there's so many barrels of worms
1: yeah that all this shit is uncomfortably related to each other in a lot of a lot of ways, man. and like the scariest idea is what if these guys like you know, say these guys are doing rituals, but they aren't even pulling any mojo from it. This is just like I mean, I think part of it too is like a sort of in a fucked up sense, a form of conspicuous consumption.
0: yeah, of course, it's like it's showing off showing off what you can get away with That's what I think is some crux of it, like at some point, like he comes up out of nowhere. Uh, manages to leverage himself into this finance position. He's the party boy back in the day with Donald Trump. It's just, it's like slowly needing to get more and more, um, wait, this is exactly like your proposed magic school about you need like more and more. What is it? Um, stimulus?
1: Pravaturgists are a solitary law. I don't think they're going to be getting much money. All the pravaturgists that I've encountered use porn. All of it is, is jerking off. Can't have sex with someone to get your charges. But it doesn't need to be pornography through a computer screen. It could be someone in front of you.
0: So Jeffrey Epstein may not be a Pravaturge, but someone who works for him could be. Oh, I'm sure.
1: I I would not at all be surprised by that. I mean, fuck, he could be too. I know there's like a lot of rumors about him having issues with getting it up, that type of thing. He was getting old. Well, I'm talking about when he was younger too. The whole thing reeks of a certain level of overcompensation. It's It's very cheap to go her this horrible child trafficker obviously couldn't get a boner easily like it doesn't matter if he could or couldn't
0: yes but also like it's, it's
1: freudian in the shallowest sense
0: the whole not being able to get a boner up thing has been hugely influential in the terms of like the behavior of shitty men around the world i'm thinking of the trade of exotic animal parts dated animals that is just because people can't get their dicks up.
1: Oh, yeah, that's fair. And
0: so they're like, fuck, kill the last white rhino. That'll work, even though it's literally just the same material as your fingernails.
1: Another thing I think to get from this that's important is that when most people do global, quote-unquote, unknown armies campaign, they're even cosmic, they're still set in a very local manner. It's just whatever they're doing has far-reaching implications. Something like this sounds like a very good example on how to handle a literally global campaign where characters are... Going all over the world trying to get to the bottom of this stuff.
0: Yeah, I could kind of see like this whole thing you've mapped out for me i can sort of see the corkboard in my head uh, with like jeffrey epstein in the middle and like his island a little picture of his island and like the brit and then if it was like a group of unknown armies players playing session zero there's that one guy who's got a picture of a british prince and he slaps it up on the, and the gm's like okay i have to somehow get the fucking british monarchy involved in this bullshit
1: yeah and the other thing is like you know of course intelligence agencies are going to be getting involved with mojo and shit now they're probably not able to do all much very reliably magic isn't well suited to the way organizations like that operate but they've obviously pulled off shit in the past like what the bullshit they pulled off with Iraq too.
0: When the government and intelligence agencies at least in the US have tried to deal with magic shit it's always blown up in their face but there's lots of intelligence agencies in the world and everyone's gonna be as soon as someone discovers like oh this shit works people are gonna be tempted like okay let's see if we can weaponize this. The thing is Mossad is able to portray itself as being like really creepy and really competent and all this sort of thing because it's, it's good for their self-interest as the intelligence agency same as CIA anyone else but they're humans like anyone else and you know that this shit has blown up in their face in different ways over the years and they've been like oh god who the fuck authorized fucking a honeypot island with this epstein guy god damn it well
1: that's that's a big thing part of this is that all the one a lot of these agencies are so young that they haven't had a chance to learn their lesson yet and a lot of these agencies are so compartmentalized that there's little enough institutional memory nobody's going to be telling them what a bad idea this shit is until it's too late
0: especially like it'll tie into shit that's happening at home as well like for example if you have a bunch of pictures of prominent u.s government or elite people with underage girls and your Mossad, you might end up in a position where you can't use it while there's like a case against Benjamin Netanyahu going on because then the local media will be like, what the fuck have you guys been doing? And the
1: few cases we we know about this stuff happening, like for sure that's been made public, you know, stuff like a uh, product Stargate shows that what little they do accomplish is not reliable enough to successfully weaponize that and just i'd imagine being a government agency trying to deal with the sort of people that are chargers not worth the effort most of.
0: no like for example with uh if Mossad in particular the only real reason you'd want to deal with charges or the occult underground is if you were dealing with threats related to the occult underground which they probably are
1: Israel, you're dealing with a country that more so than most is very specifically tied in with a certain religious, like, ritual tradition. So there's a lot of pre-modern mojo they're pulling from and dealing with, I'm sure. Never mind the post-modern stuff.
0: Yeah, but the pre-modern stuff is, again, unreliable, mostly dead, because it's been absorbed into the the mainstream culture. Any kind of thing that might sound like mystical and spooky for us from a Western point of view is going to be old hat and just stay. You're
1: telling me that Jeffrey Epstein was not secretly a golem?
0: No, he was the don't you insult the golems that way. Golems. I golem. <laughs> Again, I could imagine a golem working for him. I can see a whole campaign where everyone's like different members of his staff. And you could do a light side campaign and have the staff being like, this guy's a monster. We need to take him down. Or you could do a dark side campaign where they're just like, oh, fuck, he's going down. We need to get out of here before we get caught up in this.
1: Well, I'm sure being sort of all the people as entourage, one of the gut players is, if you play with the right group, of course, one of the players are is like the one of his pimps, that type of shit.
0: What what if Epstein had the Virgin Golem? Like the first? But the last one, the one that can reproduce. Well, I,
1: I presume most golems haven't fucked before.
0: No, they reproduce once. And then the newest one is the Virgin Golem, which hasn't reproduced yet. Ones that have reproduced can no longer reproduce. So the Virgin Golem is the one that the sleepers are after because if they eliminate the Virgin Golem, it ends the line of golems forever. So the Virgin Golem is the most. I Maybe mean, the
1: sleepers are why Epstein was finally taken down.
0: The sleepers aren't that powerful. Let's be real. They're good at dealing with like. Yahoo. I know there was Epstein. If he's dead. they haven't shut us down.
1: Oh, we are somewhere that's very hard for them to get to. Unlike an island in the middle of the Virgin Islands. Great, great name choice there, Jeff. Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, that just points me, Jeff may or may not have been involved with Mojo himself. I figure if he was, he probably would have done some other other space bullshit.
0: Yes, well, that's the thing. Again, if he was involved in the occult underground, he would have had an other space to put his fucking pedophile ranch, not have it in the Virgin Islands.
1: I mean, we don't know that he doesn't have some other
0: space. Perhaps through that mysterious non-door. Yeah. But you think anyone like that, who did have access to Mojo, you wouldn't keep shit in the real world. You'd hide it away. especially
1: ritual shit. Like, that's what the owls are on there for. There's some sort of mystic antenna.
0: And why would you even deal with, like, human trafficking if you could make an other space? Because you can make other space inhabitants. That's a horrifying thought. What kind of other space, like, a pedophile billionaire would make?
1: Maybe it's a sort of, I mean, in a twisted sense. Maybe it's a sort of um, just nothing can match the real thing.
0: Yeah, because every other space has, a, has is defined. It's
1: like playing a flight sim versus actually yeah. flying a
0: plane. That makes sense. Probably a feeling to it that it's not quite right there's another campaign
1: oh good choice there friend
0: what, what did i say <laughs> never mind Fealing. oh god you're horrible but it, okay yeah. no i didn't feel ah that's another idea Um, uh, say there was a horrible fucking tacky ass occult billionaire who made another space to satisfy okay, his
1: i could very easily see alex abel having a
0: house like this fucking with the sleepers and talking shit about them is okay but i'm worried i i'm still scared of alex abel <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't think Alex Abel's getting shit like this but I could see him being the type of guy like the chess
0: set, right? The chess set totally. Chess set, I can kind of imagine him clicking a switch or clicking his fingers and the servants just find themselves on a great big um, Alice through the Looking Glass style chess set where they have to actually fight and shit That's, it's a bit obvious, but it, it amuses me
1: Yeah, whoever ends up being the whoever's the king on the opposite side gets murdered ritually afterwards.
0: Yep, that makes sense that makes sense, but oh, okay but the winning king gets Everything his heart desires.
1: There you go. Yeah, sort of an uh, interesting uh, monkey's not not quite monkey's paw, but th- there's a risk there.
0: Sure. I, I was like, okay, imagine if like a cult billionaire asshole made another space to satisfy his sick desires and designed it that way but it just wasn't good enough because it wasn't real and so he just abandoned it and the other spaces are just going to go away
1: oh yeah it's still around shit there have
0: been uh situations where that has happened where someone's made an other space and then just abandoned it and then the other space inhabitants inadvertently end up finding the cupboard The Narnia cupboard door and coming out and having a weird time in the real world. You could play.
1: Or, as has happened too, the door shifts. So you end up having all these kids in the British countryside that accidentally find Epstein
0: Narnia. Epstein Narnia is the worst. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, you could have the um, or to be real crazy. I had this idea. Do you remember the book series The Magic Faraway Tree?
1: I do. Oh, no. Okay, the, the
0: Magic Faraway Tree, there was this uh, tree, right? And every, like, it would shift, like, it would connect to, like, a different world, a different fantasy world, like, all the time. So that was the, it was a kid's book series, and I read it a long, long time ago. But that, that's an idea, like, um, someone has to, develop some sort of portal which or some sort of means in which connects to various abandoned unused or isolated other spaces but you can't maintain a connection for long and that could you could throw epstein narnia in there
1: oh you could do lots of fun stuff with that one i mean the idea of epstein narnia just the image that's coming to my mind is that same classic image of when lucy first goes in the cupboard snowy forest with the lamppost on it except all of that's cocaine.
0: <laughs> I would have the uh, the Russian triplets all grown up and like being rival queens of Epsteinania
1: of Epstopolis. having a campaign that is on the surface level like a very typical like children's fantasy type deal with cruel like because triplet queens is such a fantasy image and all of this comes out of Epstein's horrible twisted life
0: I remember reading a uh, book series I can't remember the name but it was involved a um, a family of people from an alternate world um, like an alternate history world who discovered a way to jump between different worlds and so they came to our world but they were it wasn't a fantasy world on their side it was just more primitive it was more like renaissance level of technology and the noble family decide discovers how to do this and immediately they just be, become drug dealers by like taking cocaine and distributing it in the US and then just buying like TVs and shit porting it over to their castles so it's sort of like the Saudi royal family but like in a European medieval setting <laughs> and that's kind of how I imagine it nice
1: that remind well I think we're going a bit off uh... Off topic here. I think really the key thing to get from this in regards to Unknown armies campaigns is one, just kind of a good framework for doing a actually truly global campaign. All that globetrotting uh, espionage stuff. You don't think of it as good UA fodder, but it is. Uh, two, the other thing is that I, I just think it's a great idea for everyone listening to get out of their chairs, go outside, do whatever they can to oppose these cruel pedophiles that rule the world in, in your own outrage campaign uh, i think we're going to be taking a little color here
0: and we're going to go from the pedophile elite to the cannibal elite so see you soon
1: and welcome back, listeners. So now that we were done talking about all that horribleness, um, we're going to be shifting to a different sort of horribleness. Some of our more longtime listeners are likely familiar with a group known most generally as Ordo Corpulentus. Uh, that's from the Latin for literally obesity order, sort of a similar group to the people associated with Epstein, but perhaps prey on individuals in a more literal manner. Uh, Tormson, would you like to go over what this guy's deals are?
0: Okay. The auto they are an elite group that uh, literally feeds off servants We're using a ritual known as the Great Feast, which if performed correctly traps the servants, the consumed servants' spirit as a phasma, which is a form of revenant which will serve them. So it's similar to a demon, but it doesn't have any power to possess anyone, doesn't really have much in the way of agents in itself. The similarities with like weird Epstein occultism is there in the fact that they are arrogant elitists who use occult rituals to maintain their wealth and just prey on those beneath them. But there are some major differences between what you'd see with your weird Epstein Island stuff versus the autocopulentists. Because for me, when you if you were to derive some kind of organisation, some kind of occult order from the world that Epstein moved in, it would be very much a sort of globalist order, a group of people that don't give a shit about their country, they care about themselves, exist in these sort of globalist city spaces like London and New York and travel around and they are peers to each other, uh, which is why you saw cross-pollination between the British elite and the uh, New York elite. While autocopulentists is very much a national group. They believe that America is the top dog and should remain top dog, and only Christians are real Americans, and only rich Americans should be in charge. So they're very much on a little different kind of wavelength than from your Epstein types, in my opinion.
1: Now, the, one of the big interesting things about these guys is that they are very much a Christian group and, you know, say you will about Epstein by what and any ritual involvement there. I wasn't getting any sort of uh, Judeo-Christian vibes from him, really. More just general strange quasi-pagan occultism, whereas the Ordo, while they're dedicated to a very non-mainstream form of Christianity, it still is Christianity, albeit a perverted one. These guys get most of the doctrine from a tome, which, uh, do you have to remember the name of this thing, tome? Because I don't remember yeah, the it. The
0: Greater Key of St. Peter. There you
1: go. Thank you. Uh, now, this thing, there's, it's a history is rather cloudy. A lot of people think that this book isn't older than a few hundred years years but the order obviously disagrees thinking that this thing is representative of the teachings of christ the gist of it being that christ set up a path between the afterlife and earth that the truly faithful can access using this cannibalistic ritual and that's sort of where the whole obesity thing ties in here these guys Their primary way of expressing their faith is through feasting. It's through food and revelry and not revelry in the obscene sense, but more just getting all your pals together, sharing a meal. That meal usually being some poor, unfortunate body, which is now going to be relieved of its poor, unfortunate soul.
0: It's a very old school form of revelry and conspicuous consumption. Strikes me as very medieval as opposed to what you'd get from like globalist elites like Epstein, auto uh, autocorpulentists. Yeah. They want to, they, they are fat. You have to be fat. You have to be ridiculously overweight. And it should be a deliberate choice done through not because of any medical reason or economic reason. It's just because they deliberately try to eat as much and rich uh, diet as possible to show off their wealth, which is a very old school way of doing it. The
1: Lord has granted us this bounty, and it is not just our way to express thanks, but it is a moral imperative for us to take advantage of this bounty in whatever way possible. Now, one of the really interesting things about these guys to me is that Christian aspect and how these guys aren't really occultic the way that Epstein kind of implicitly is. These guys aren't tied into the underground in any way. They are very separate from that. They, if they saw any Chargers walking around and got to prove that, they'd think they were Practicing witchcraft or something, as opposed to, obviously, this very Christian cannibal ritual that, I mean, to be fair, Christ then that whole story does certainly have a cannibalistic element to it. So it's not that much of a stretch.
0: Sure. Um, these guys, to me, are what happens when you have ponies who have a lot of economic... And financial power and political power. Uh, That's the most dangerous kind of pony because they don't know what the fuck they're doing, but they have a lot of weight to throw around, no pun intended.
1: I would argue that in some cases, a pony with that much political power is better than a charger with that much political power, as we've seen how well that usually goes.
0: I would disagree because for a charger to get that much political power, they have to be slightly coherent in their thinking. Um, uh, to be both uh, a a successful person and a charger, is difficult at best. While a pony could be an absolute nut and be rich, and it's uh- I, think, I
1: think anyone can be an absolute nut and be very wealthy. In fact, that uh, if you're as we were just uh, talking about, I think you need to be a little bit of a nut to get that much money.
0: Sure. What's interesting, because of the two factions in Autocopulentus, there is the uh, Big Betty faction, Big Betty Murdoch. She has ranching wealth, so a kind of older wealth. Uh, but there's also Edgar Cook, who is a self-made millionaire and a relatively recent recruit, and he has the other fact. This faction is interesting because Edgar Cook, I believe, was the first black man to be entered into the Autocopulentus, and he recruited a bunch of others, which means the auto which is, if you were to tell me about this without any details, I would just assume that they're like racist in the sort of Christian identity way, but apparently they're not.
1: I mean, I think they still are because these guys are very Islamophobic. They dedicate a lot of their time and resources to sure, but they're not, fighting the spread of Islam. But they're
0: not, they're not white supremacists.
1: No, they aren't. Um, they are what every American aspires to be. Non-sexist, non-racist, fat, wealthy and protecting the homeland the best they can possibly the best they possibly can
0: they are i would say cultural imperialists um explicitly yes yes,
1: absolutely now the really interesting thing to me about these guys It shows just how far a little bit of occult knowledge can go. These guys are basically ponies. They don't know about the underground. They don't really know about chargers or invisible clergy or anything like that. These guys just know about this one ritual that they got from a text that claims to be Christian and that is enough for them. And it shows just how far you can get with that little bit of knowledge. You don't need to have access to dozens of rituals or practice some sort of head-up school or be following the path to ascension to use occult power for your own gain. No, a little bit goes a long way.
0: Well, especially when it's something as useful as the Great Feast because the Phasmata are incredibly useful. They can use them for assassinations. They can use them to steal information. This is ghosts under your control. That's incredibly powerful when you've also already got real world money.
1: Creative use of so just one ritual can go a long way as people
0: you could say the same thing about say mac attacks oh absolutely one ritual can define the entire way a group it's modus operandi and everything and
1: a lot of the way that's how that ends up working because when you're dealing with a bunch of chargers that have a broad basis of occult knowledge generally these people are kind of flaky and are going to be disagreeing with each other they have video very idiosyncratic worldviews and orienting all these guys in the same direction is going to be hard But if you're dealing with a bunch of people that only know one little bit about the cult power, then it's much easier to have a sort of shared worldview there. Everyone knows that hey, this one thing works. This is our little secret. We need to use this one strange little quirk, this life hack to further whatever our goals are.
0: The thing is with this group is there's part of it I like about them, but part of it, I don't know how I would ever use the autocorpulentus if I was running a quote unquote unknown campaign without changing some things because their main goal is they want believers in Islam to become disillusioned and drop away from the faith. I don't know when I'd ever use these guys as the antagonist. If I was running a game set in, say, the Middle East, we would probably have different anti- I don't know. It just seems, they seem a bit awkward to use, in my opinion.
1: There's a couple places in the United States that have a fairly high Muslim population. Um, sure. The Detroit, Fort Worth area and New York City come to mind. But these guys are headquartered in Texas. And as far as I know, there's not a very big Muslim population in there that is, region. There are, of course, so there are Muslims reason. who
0: live there, of course. But yeah. again, the autocorporters doesn't seem to be targeting Islamic populations in the United States. They're sending their face matter to float around in Saudi Arabia and Iran. If I was going to do this, I'd, I, I could see a campaign where everyone plays like a minor Saudi princeling. which <laughs> That would be fun. And maybe these guys would be good enemies then.
1: I mean, the way these guys operate... In and of itself presents a threat because they are kidnapping people and murdering them for their weird feast rituals. And it does say in the third edition of the unknown army's training document that these guys often use undocumented immigrants as their victims. So if you're doing a campaign in the Texas area, then there's a threat that they're presenting in that region.
0: Perhaps everyone in a cabal could be a friend or a relative of someone who got got by these guys.
1: Or perhaps you're all people who hopped the border yourselves for various occult-tinged reasons and some, you know, some sort of um, uh, Mexican sect finds it conducive to go to America, someone amongst their ranks gets kidnapped by the Order, and things just evolve from there.
0: You could actually combine some things because they don't know sh- anything about the occult underground and they know very little about other rich it does mention that they have no idea about the existence of anyone else who can mess with spirits, mess with demons, or they don't even understand the concept of demons, to be honest. If you had some kind of cult that was able to control or liberate spirits in a different way than what the Autocopulentist does, they might not believe it at first, but then they might come up, come hard after it when they realize, holy shit, these guys are a threat to us. They might think of it as witchcraft or whatnot, but they might react harshly if they believed it was a threat.
1: If you're doing a campaign where the player characters are ponies or pony adjacent, that's a nice sort of mirror to them and that, all right, these guys are obviously a threat by their very nature, but they know about as much in regards to all this stuff as we do. So there's sort of an arms race to pick up occult knowledge there. There's also the situation of, all right, what if they end up eating a charger?
0: Well, I'm not sure that Phasmata would be able to do magic in that way. Though I should know this. I know that I know that they can do rituals, but can they do adept magic?
1: Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. We don't know. The situation hasn't really presented itself. I mean, either way, these are oh, going to be. They can
0: certainly teach someone exactly. A school of magic. Yeah, or
1: even if all they know is a few rituals, that's a lot more rituals than these guys know.
0: Would think it's more likely that they would end up eating an avatar of some kind, like the. Also true. The
1: thing with avatars is that they are, well, at least compared to adepts, a lot more likely to not know they're an avatar. I mean, can adepts even unknowingly be ones? I don't think they can.
0: That's true. Well, this actually comes up in the campaign starter kit, The Violence Inherent in the System, because in that starter kit, the main antagonist is a man named Mr. Big who is a member of the order But in this campaign, as I said, it's sort of done differently because Mr. Big's plan is separate from the normal Autocopulentist modus operandi because he wants to become a god walker of the true king to subvert the archetype into the man, so a, like a representation of just general authority. He is assisted in this somewhat by a cosmic force referred to as the violence in the system. Kind of confuses me what it actually is or how it works, but it kind of links in with uh, what he's trying to do. And what's interesting about this is that Mr. Big deliberately seeks out kids associated with the milk that group of occultists who take kids and train them, try to raise them to become avatars. I think
1: MKUltra is a better term here, man. (laughs) No, as a verb, that's what they're doing to these kids.
0: They're definitely MK Ultraing them. And so he is trying to basically eat them and turn them into phasmata um, as part of positioning himself as the strongest within the autocompletist and also to grab the... Godwalker of the True King. Now, I find this interesting, um, a more interesting use of the than in the main book, but I would even just combine that even more and forget the milk, just have the milk be just an operation of Autocorpulentus. because if you're going to have them consuming their servants for power, you might as well have them also like raising these kids to become avatars and doing it that way just makes them more evil and gives them more stuff to do
1: like farmers taking care of steer before they go to the slaughter yeah makes sense to me ties in with the whole texan thing
0: exactly and it would make it even easier to come up with a you know a cabal against them like you could literally be a bunch of kids who are being raised in this weird ranch community and slowly figuring out wait a minute they're gonna eat us you need to get the fuck out of here and you have just enough nascent avatar powers that you might be able to get away and that could be fun.
1: Um, something else that's a big part of them that I think of the sort of characteristics of them has the most potential for some interesting stuff to come out of it is that these guys hoard artifacts now they don't exactly know what's going on, where they call it artifacts and I think that they're either black magic or relics from the fallen Jewish Atlantis. Yes. But they recognize the power of these things while also not completely understanding them, which, as we all know, is a recipe for disaster and disasters being our bread and butter. Anything involving a artifact hunting campaign could very easily end up competing with the Ordo.
0: Yes. And especially if they have this weird pseudo-Christian worldview and that would probably inform the kind of artifacts that they would hunt for, which might put them against the Order of St. Cecil. And that would be an interesting matchup because they have very different worldviews.
1: Or maybe the player's cabal has some rather idiosyncratic uh, views on Christianity and that places them in conflict with the Ordo as they're trying to recover Lance of Longinus or some other holy artifact. Maybe they're hunting the Holy Grail.
0: Well, if you were going to try to link it in with their um, their anti-Islam stance, you could have them come across a, an Islamic group that was searching for artifacts So because any kind of um, occult artifact hunting group with a basis in Islamic culture would also be looking out for like Jewish and Christian artifacts because it's the same Abrahamic God. So maybe they'd also be just as happy to grab the Lance of Longinus, even if they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, they'd still be like, that is still a powerful artifact. Let's grab it.
1: Maybe there's some Hobby Lobby shit going on where they're funding archaeology in the Middle East sort of under the radar so that when people do find artifacts that they think may be holy ship them off to them and they use them in rituals maybe someone finds the holy grail in the Middle East somewhere and orders, like hey this would make a really good gravy boat
0: that would make them a bit more interesting it's not really clear what they're doing over in the Middle East they're just sending their phasmata out there to like decrease the faith of people in Islam in various ways and hiring con artists and things I think if they were doing something like what Hobby Lobby did that is more interesting <laughs> to me
1: I mean that is kind of issue with these guys is that, you know, they have a decent goal. They have some sort of politics going on within them that can drive them in one direction or another. But as is, they're not very much of an active threat. They have goals, but the goals don't really have expansion
0: in mind a lot of the time. There is restoring the great temple in Israel, which is a big goal.
1: And there is expansion of a different sort, I suppose, on a more, that's more personal level, I'd say. Uh, They they don't have goals that are super likely to lead to them running afoul of the players in some way, unless the players are in very particular
0: geographic regions. Or we're doing a Mossad game where they're like, what are these guys doing?
1: (laughs) I mean, That sounds fun, and this episode already has plenty of material for that.
0: I mean, I could see uh, one of these guys maybe going to Israel um, for whatever reason, maybe to try and work out how to restore the Great Temple and destroy the Dome of the Rock and do those plans, and falling uh, fell of Jerusalem Syndrome. You've heard of this? I have not, actually. Jerusalem Syndrome is a form of um, delusion which is known to affect especially Christians who visit uh, the Holy Land where they suddenly start Preaching on the street and become convinced that they have been chosen by God. It happens so often that they deal with this regularly. It's similar to, um, not similar, but it's like one of those city based syndromes, like Paris syndrome, where Japanese people go to Paris and have breakdowns because it's not as romantic as they thought. And it's covered in dog shit. So they have little breakdowns. It's another version of like a very specific cultural combination, which leads to people going nuts for a short time. And that happens in, uh, Israel all the time.
1: So you're telling me there's some sort of parasite around the soul of jerusalem that causes people to start trying to channel the messiah
0: quite possible and if that parasite gets into probably someone in the cook clique that could be really interesting
1: or even worse gets in someone that they eat
0: yeah but would that affect them because it would just become a phasmata with the phasmata
1: i mean they're still devouring this parasite ridden individual oh now you got a bunch of members of the order all thinking that they're the second helping of christ and the second helping of christ preaching their very bizarre gospel sure someone at the Last Supper did. That. That, that bre- that, uh, bit of his flesh was probably pretty tasty. Another thing, if we're going with the whole Mossad angle, we bring these two together. Uh, the Ordo is somehow being funded or funding the CIA who ends up running afoul of Mossad who is clandestinely supporting these, uh, moloch warshipping pedophiles and there ends up being a minor occult war between these two that the players are caught up in the middle of somehow
0: why can i hear yakety sacks play in the background could <laughs> be interesting i would i like the idea of intelligence agencies using occult groups as like a proxy war kind of thing that's pretty funny to me
1: maybe yakety sacks is what the trumpets of the apocalypse play when they're sounding that would not surprise me at all over the horizon is jets go screaming over the desert these guys are there's some potential there but i don't think they're quite as evocative as say your sleepers or your mac attacks
0: i think they're a little bit half-baked i think they could be a lot more interesting if in certain areas there was more specificity and maybe more detail in especially the uh, individuals involved. I also wish they had more than one objective because it's really just the cook clique that wants to do the islam thing and everyone else is along for the ride. I
1: mean they're they are eating people and that is a problem, but it's a fairly local one. And for something that's been given this much detail, they don't seem like that much of a pressing issue unless your cabal is in texas or the middle east
0: pretty much or there's some sort of link um, that you can make with them when one way or the other either you know someone who's fallen afoul of them or they're coming after you or you're competing with them over something
1: sounds like tormson and i are in agreement here that these guys aren't that much of a threat and while we're on the subject of various uh, elite groups doing heinous things uh i'm gonna take a break for a moment here let a caller Get their word in, and we'll be back to further discuss the subject matter. Stay tuned, everyone.
0: Welcome back. Now we will be discussing um, the Stanley Kubrick film, Eyes Wide Shut, released just before he was murdered by the sleepers. I, have not, I had not seen it before Frank told me that this is the movie that we must be discussing for this episode. So I saw it for the first time and I enjoyed it. It was not as weird as I thought it would be.
1: Your induction into the Kubrickian mysteries?
0: Well, I've seen his other stuff. so And I've seen Room 237, which is about all the conspiracy theories about The Shining. So I've, I'm not a complete novice speaking of which what is your view on the moon landing and kubrick's involvement with it i well um as far as i know um it was very difficult for them to get kubrick onto the apollo mission without anyone knowing but he did a really good job up there despite being a little bit too small for the spacesuit
1: such a perfectionist even in clandestine operations Uh, i admired the man greatly now interestingly there is a rather direct connection between eyes wide shut and mr epstein um so do you remember the bit in i believe it's the coffee shop where tom cruise's character ends up opening the newspaper and seeing the headline talking about the ex-beauty queen found dead
0: i remember that when he picked up the newspaper the headline was lucky to be alive which seemed to have some connection to what was happening to him
1: so the writer of this article is one Larry Salona, who is an actual New York Post reporter that Kubrick hired to write this article. He is credited in the film as I believe, journalistic consultants. Now, this guy is rather interesting in that he has a long history of having scoops on deaths for the New York Post. In fact, Larry Salona is the guy who got the only known photograph of Jeffrey Epstein's dead body. Oh. And is, in fact, the First person to report Kubrick's death.
0: That's suspicious.
1: Uh, this guy is uh, pretty interesting. He has a bit long history of having these scoops for the New York Post, being able to get them before everyone else. I believe he also was the first guy to report the death of, who was the Kennedy that died in the 90s again? I believe Robert.
0: Robert died in the 60s. Um, Ted Kennedy? Okay.
1: Okay. Ted Kennedy, that's it. He was also the first individual to report the death of Ted Kennedy. So knowing this, or at least the Ted Kennedy stuff, um, Kubrick hired this guy specifically to write an article about this ex-beauty queen dying in a drug overdose, quote unquote.
0: Well, if he already had a bit of a reputation for being the first to cover mysterious deaths that might have been enough to get kubrick to deliberately choose him
1: i mean this movie shows that kubrick was pretty fucking woke honestly he had at least a decent idea of what the fuck is going on in these circles of power now how much of this weird ritualist stuff is, you know, just an excuse to get a bunch of rich guys to get together and fuck models versus actual Moloch or Satan worshipping? I don't know. Both have their appeals. The Satan worshipping among the elites goes way back, as we mentioned earlier with the whole affair of the poisons, but... Kubrick seemed to have a bit of an idea that this stuff was going on um honestly I think that the um Nick Nightingale character is specifically sort of a self insert for Kubrick in a way
0: so he he was there with a camera once with a blindfold on
1: well showing that like okay Kubrick is sort of brought in to these circles on the very edges of them as an entertainer he's brought into circles with a blindfold on he's catches glimpses of what's going on but he's never shown the full
0: picture that could be possible well, I like the idea of it could be like actual Moloch worship versus bullshit, but I lean towards the bullshit side of things because especially the way that the rituals were portrayed, it just seemed to be like a grab bag of references to the Western occult tradition with no real coherent theme or message. It was just like, let's have some dress-up occult bullshit for our sex party. That's what it seemed like to me.
1: And that does also seem like the type of shit that actual rich people would do in their rituals. They wouldn't be pulling from like a specific grimoire so much. It'd just be kind of a case of, alright, we think this stuff is powerful, and we're gonna do this. I think it's a bit of a column A, column B situation, to be honest, where these rich motherfuckers, some of them do believe in it, like, fairly strongly, and the sex party is just bonus, whereas other ones are like, hey man, this is a real great excuse to wear masks and get my fuck on.
0: One idea I had for like a campaign setting or structure would be to have everyone play like the servants who have to organize these events and like keep shit going smoothly because they were always like in the background with their masks just standing around and like having to do various tasks. And I'm like, these guys have to deal with these ridiculous, wealthy, occult bullshit artists, but maybe there's also an actual cult threat out there that you have to sort of deal with without the rich people finding out about it I
1: will say for a party like this where there's supposedly a bunch of billionaires going around all of the dudes fucking were implausibly photogenic
0: oh yeah um, I had just seen that episode of um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia where they go to a, a supposed eyes wide shut style sex party and it's just in someone's apartment and everyone is just old and dumpy and normal looking I'm thinking that's more likely what it would look like
1: I mean the models among the woman makes sense to me because you know these are going to be rich fuckers they're going to be bringing in the best looking girls i can find but the men there were not nearly enough folds
0: no i think also you would see more teams. you'd see more male models as well
1: and more dumpy looking yes, women too. Th- because there's a few them along there
0: sure. but i saw i caught one glimpse when they had um a man dancing with another man and a woman dancing with another woman but it went by really quickly i'm thinking in reality you'd have it wouldn't just be female models in that sense it would be everyone it would be a, a grab bag of attractive young people
1: yeah there's not a not really any dudes fucking dudes in that situation um which is weird too because the movie has a lot of uh sort of interesting subtext in regards to homosexuality scattered throughout it's pretty
0: it. scattered though like you're talking about the um the hotel manager who was trying to hit on Tom Cruise in a weird way.
1: The hotel manager and that bit where he's walking on the street and gets like shoved by the Oh, that was girls. really
0: weird. And I was like, what's going on? Is that just New York? I
1: mean, like, it's Kubrick, so I assume like everything has four layers and he's just playing, you know, 6D chess and my pineal gland is too calcified to see all the shit he's doing. But I, I was definitely wondering like, what the what are you getting at, Stanley? What-, what are you trying to say here?
0: Kind of like they were just being dicks because he was just walking down the street. But I know it got real specific in terms of the taunting they were giving him. And I was like, why are these guys? Okay, they could just be a bunch of assholes. Uh, deciding to be homophobic to this random guy on the street because they're drunk and they're assholes. But it was odd.
1: That scene makes more sense to me because not long after that is the scene where he hi- almost hires the prostitute. And that kind of makes sense in the, all right, this guy just had his masculinity threatened very directly and now he wants to reassert
0: it. Sure. In my interpretation of what was going on, his wife, Nicole Kidman, she'd never actually slept with the naval officer, did she? No, so no, I- no.
1: I think that's pretty clear. It was
0: just his so he's when he's having these fantasies of it happening it was just him being weird because
1: I think he's like angry and sure. he keeps on I mean unless are you saying that the Latin subtext of Eyes Wide Shut is that Tom Cruise has a cuckolding fetish no I don't think so maybe I sure? mean
0: that's if that's your interpretation
1: maybe that's the point that Tom Cruise is a deep Tom Cruise's character is a deeply closet homosexual and all of this shit going on psychologically is that manifesting itself
0: and that's why at the end she's just like can we actually have sex now please
1: <laughs> and that's why he keeps on encountering all these people that are thinking he's gay this is why stanley kubrick chose tom cruise for the role specifically maybe i mean that's an easy joke but I mean, there's been like rumors around tom cruise being closeted gay man for a long fucking time so
0: yeah that's true Granted um, and
1: all that but i could definitely see that being Part of the reason that Kubrick chose kind of like the, the
0: cuckold element, like the cuckold angle, a bit better. You know, like because he, <laughs> he kept imagining it, and it kind of—I don't know—he was acting super weird about it as well.
1: Well, that is the thing about cuckolding is that oftentimes it's sort of a way to compartmentalize for like guys that think they're straight to compartmentalize any homosexual fantasies they may have. Because it's like, oh, I don't want to get fucked. I want my wife to get fucked and watch. And sort of project myself
0: onto hers. That is a pretty hot take. I could see that some of the time, but I'm not sure. I think it is a motivation. It, I think it could it. be a motivation for some people, yes. Uh, why am I defending the cock community?
1: <laughs> um. So, back to the movie more directly, I guess, and why we're here, which is to discuss the extremely famous scene with that whole mass orgy and all that. The Epstein connections, again, I think do show that Kubrick had an idea that this type of stuff's going on. And I think everyone has an inkling that this stuff happens among the super powerful. I think
0: maybe it was more um, of a, an interesting, more titillating back when the film was released. Today, everyone is just like, yeah, of course it's going on. I mean,
1: the core theme of the movies I see it is the things that people tell themselves to convince themselves that the world is a fair place. That the world is a place that fundamentally makes sense and has a logic behind it. That whole scene is, you know, it's Tom Cruise seeing behind the curtain to a degree in regards to, oh man, there's all these rich people. Again, they fuck on outside of being married, but it's tied into the stuff with his wife. It's also saying that, all right, there's a lot of shit that people will make sure to convince themselves of to to, sort of be like, yes, I'm a good person. And you see that a lot of Tom Cruise's actions where he gets very, very close a lot of times to doing something pretty fucked up and then just like he'll get a phone call or something and then he just decides to back out of it.
0: Yes, he just kept dodging bad decisions and drinking coffee throughout the whole movie.
1: And that's kind of what the movie's about: is that, like, all oh, right, I've seen behind the mask, very on the no symbolism. I see the world for what it really is and people for how they really act in private. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the mask back on. I don't but like. And then again, like, what are they like doing
0: this. in private? They're just having sex. I mean, obviously, they're just. I mean, they're rich people. I mean, isn't yeah. that
1: shocking? Yeah, but outside of marriage. And there's all the stuff with the drugs, how he almost gets HIV.
0: Do you think that the HIV positive result was linked to the uh, model's death? That she maybe, like they didn't kill her?
1: That's kind of the interesting thing because I do think that the guy in the... Red cloak is the same guy as the like curly haired dude with the glasses that he talks to
0: earlier. Oh in the yeah, movie. maybe. I thought I thought it was and the guy with the, the guy that like stared at him with the weird mask from the balcony. Well,
1: here's the thing. You remember how during that whole conversation where he's saying that, hey, yeah, all this weird shit's going on. I was there. Just keep quiet about it. And how he's circling that pool table and how he keeps tapping the cue ball against the pool table and if you compare it the way he, the oh, timing on that is very the, very the similar. Cane. okay and if i remember correctly there's six women in the circle this one six. would match the six holes in a billiard table
0: uh, there's more than six i remember there were more than six women in that circle or maybe misremembering that well that suggests um, to me and one thing i think that might be true is i don't think all those rich people are actually that rich i think they're just like minorly rich people who are having this thing going on and exaggerating yeah. how powerful they are with this bullshit uh because that guy that it was his friend if he is the guy with the red cloak i mean that guy is not the richest guy in the world he's just a rich guy
1: tom Cruise's character is very obviously like lower upper class so these people or just kind of middle-upper class. If you're really that rich, you probably don't have that much free time to participate in RG parties. The other thing is that, in regard to the guy with the red cloak, they're credited differently as different actors in the credits, which is interesting, too, because the masked woman and the uh, woman who almost ODs early in the movie are also credited as different actresses. So exactly what's going on there?
0: Kubrickian trickery.
1: uh, Something that makes sense to me is that the whole scene feels very overwrought and through- theatrical in a very conscious way like the fact that all the dudes that are fucking are implausibly fit so maybe the fact that all these people have different actors playing them in the scene despite perhaps being the same characters is part of that
0: Theatric, though part of those theatrics? It could be sort of linked to the fact that we're all seeing it through Tom Cruise's character's eyes. Because he's just had this emotional shock and he's in a very weird environment. Uh he's been drinking. He might have been a little bit dissociative and seeing things in a way that they weren't actually, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean the whole movie is very consciously going for a dream type deal, and we're very heavily supposed to be identifying with Tom Cruise's character especially in that particular scene which compared to pretty much every other part of the movie is very much like a pov
0: shot i was surprised that nicole kidman wasn't in the movie more because i didn't know much about this movie so i thought that they were both going to be dual protagonists but it was mostly just tom cruise having his adventures while nicole kidman propelled the plot in certain ways
1: and it occasionally cut to her at home eating oreos
0: like a normal life (laughs) stoned
1: the movie is weird like it's again with Kubrick, it's very tempting to just go to the 4D chess argument. I, I think the key thing is that there are a lot of kind of interesting links between this and, I guess, I'm now dubbing it the Epstein mythos.
0: Squamous Epstein mythos.
1: But I think, the, well, the key thing here is, what can we take from this and put into a UA campaign?
0: Certain details in how the way they sort of acted, the way they kind of fucked with him. After the fact,
1: something that I like is, um, so like very, all the people in that ritual very much give me old money vibes. I like the imagery of like a bunch of new money people that don't really have the class sort of getting the idea of what being rich is like from this movie, actively trying to imitate pieces from this movie as what they view rituals are like. So you just have like a bunch of nerdy Silicon Valley investors trying to imitate the orgy scene from Eyes Wide Shut, but their stroke game is just terrible. I can
0: see it. Some Silicon Valley types getting into the edge of this sort of old money party and not being accepted and instead going off and like fuck we're gonna have our own sex orgy party with blackjack and hookers and then they try to do some ritual bullshit but then they actually discover some rituals like real rituals and then old money is like what's happening
1: oh so i maybe that's the way to use this is less directly pulling stuff from it there's like a lot of nice tone and atmosphere i think but far as stuffed outright steel there's not a whole lot there but now that the film has entered the pop culture this is what people think rituals are like and as a result of that they end up accidentally uncovering some old rituals or just a cabal of people that have no idea how to actually set up a working occult group but are trying their darnest, and all of this weird Kubrick shit is the best thing they have to go off of.
0: I can see that. Yeah, basing, basing their rituals off Kubrick and that would be more likely rituals to work than anything Malachian.
1: Yeah, um, I mean a lot more people have probably seen 2001 then have read those bits of the bible let's be real
0: i mean yeah that's a good point uh because they're obscure weird bits and it's not like i don't know if they actually drew much from anything sort of biblical stuff it was just random like weird masks and from all over the show and like there was ancient greek looking masks and like renaissance masks and it looks it looks just like they were doing a grab bag of the western tradition there
1: i think that may again i think that may be intentional because i think that's how rich people look at occultism. if you're so some rich billionaire, you don't have the fucking time to pour over legitimate occult tomes. You're just like, oh yeah, this looks kind of like that Crowley bullshit I skimmed through.
0: How how busy do you think the super rich actually are, though?
1: Ah, uh, old money have a bit more leisure time. I think the new money who need to put in a lot of time to you know keep not, up their wealth. Not once you're super um, rich, once, I once do you're think super
0: rich, you just let it blow in.
1: Yeah, maybe all these rich people are just spending their copious amounts of free time studying the cult, but I. I I feel like when you're getting invited to a masked orgy party slash ritual, your first concern isn't authenticity.
0: Well, it depends on the person. There's got to be one rich guy who's like, I want this to be true. Perfect. To the Mithraic rites. it must be perfect. I could see a campaign set up where you're a bunch of, as you were saying, Silicon Valley types are like, or just ordinary people who are like, we want to get into this sex orgy party for rich people. We need to figure out a way to sneak in.
1: That's the campaign goal. That's the objective. It's we want to get into the yes. rich, masked orgy ritual. Yes.
0: And you can see sort of it um, with how Tom Cruise's character went about it, like getting the costume and getting the information from uh, – Nightingale and things like that you could take some of those things and sort of plot them out um, as milestones
1: there is some kind of interesting encounters like not a lot in this movie really advances the core plot like the whole scene in the costume shop where apparently the guy's daughter is prostituting herself the guy's daughter is hooking up with some older Asian dudes and then later in the movie the guy's just okay with it
0: I think he was okay with it the whole time and just decides to start pimping her out but he was putting on an axe maybe I don't no, that guy was super creepy. That whole thing was super creepy, but kind of entertaining.
1: Yeah. 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 Considering how very obviously young that girl was. And I think the actress at the time was like 16.
0: Yeah, that was the point he's trying to get across. It's like, it's not just the super rich who are fucked up and decadent and corrupt it's everyone really
1: no it's all like i said it's all the uncomfortable things we tell ourselves don't exist that we say to ourselves these don't exist to maintain the perception of a moral society or moral relationships or whatever
0: yeah that makes sense i think there's
1: a theme that you could do there for a campaign at least emphasize just how much people ignore the weird occult shit that surrounds them and just repeat to themselves that oh that was weird obviously that's a one-off and isn't going to happen again it's an interesting anecdote but i'm not going to think about it too hard and that's sort of the gray areas that chargers can slip in through
0: i've seen that before that sort of idea when someone's eyes start to be opened to a hidden world and they notice that just people around them just pointedly ignore it yeah
1: and i think a lot of our listeners have probably seen that themselves i think that is a good place to end folks hope you enjoyed listening uh any final notes on your end Torrenton?
0: i'm scared to put this episode up frank
1: (laughs) well it's already on the airwaves so i don't think there's much you can do there friend if you don't put up someone else will
0: that is true that is fair enough all right stay tuned
1: and we'll see you later me to do is I'm free to follow
0: my own personality and
1: so I'm free to accept I, I can't think as we discussed yesterday I can't be totally wacko in what I do and it affects lots of other people who will get angry at what I do so it's then it affects me again but within on my own island or on my own ranch I can think the thoughts I want to think I can do the work I want to do. I'm free to explore as I see fit.